Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I am so excited to share with you my dear friend and wonderful guest, Ben Saltzman, who is the president of Touched and Transformed. This man introduced me to the Enneagram and all my funny little parts and pieces, and uh, I hope you will learn a little bit from him today as well. Ben's a coach's coach, a spiritual maverick, relational wizard, and Enneagram devotee. Internationally known seminar facilitator, Fortune 500 trainer, popular consultant to entrepreneurs and multimillionaires. There's so much more to his story, but I'd love to just get right into the conversation and we can hear more as we move along. At the end, we'll make sure that you find out how to get more of this guy. So welcome, Ben. Thank you. Good to be here. Ben, can you tell the audience a little bit about the Enneagram? Because some of them might be wondering, what the heck is this thing? Right, right. So you want to think of the Enneagram as first a, a deeper understanding of why you do what you do. It describes nine different personality types. How do each of those nine different personality types grow, spiritually evolve? What are the fears, the hidden motivations, the the things that are kind of kicking us into action that we're unaware of? And for each personality type, there's kind of the high side, the strengths that you can leverage in your relationships or on the job. And there's also the low side. There's the parts when you really catch on to what you're doing, you just go, oh, God, I wish I didn't do that. And oh, geez, that's why I keep on getting the same results over and over again. It's uh, it's a way for us to understand not only our hidden motivations, but how other people are interpreting us, how we're being experienced out there uh, from the outside. And, and I love using it and teaching it. We, we work with coaches, therapists, business owners, entrepreneurs, like the wide gamut. It's used in a lot of different ways now and it's growing in popularity like nobody's business. So I kind of feel like I get to share a piece of gold with your listeners and they get to discover themselves uh, in, in lifetime and they're going to be on a wave that's growing. I mean, I, for those of you who haven't experienced the Enneagram, it is the coolest way to really understand yourself and, and totally different than a lot of the different personality assessments that I've ever experienced before. It was really sort of, you know, truth telling for me in a lot of ways and helped me move a little bit away from that shadow side in my own way. You know, for those who haven't been exposed to it before, you know, there's nine types. Can you talk a little bit about the different types so they can understand exactly what this means? I mean, usually if I go through all nine, it's so quick that we, it doesn't, it's not really powerful for people, but we'll dive into a couple and we'll deep dive into a couple just so that the, the listeners will get an idea of the difference. And uh, you brought up an interesting point that there's a lot of personality assessment tools out there. And I want to draw a distinction between the Enneagram and most of the tools that most of the tools, when you get a hold of them, they're kind of rubber stamping you. They're saying, you are such and such. And a lot of people will go, hey, you know, you're putting me in a box. You know, don't, don't box me in. Don't tell me I'm something. And the basic premise of the Enneagram, it comes out of spiritual transformational background rather than psychological assessment background. So the basic premise for the Enneagram is you're not your type. 
Yeah, it's something that you do. Yes, it's something that sometimes catches you. It takes you for a ride. But as you do your work, you get more and more freedom from it. It's a, it's a tool for transformation and change, not for labeling and sticking people in a box. So I, I, I think that's an important background piece for people to understand that we, we kind of, we're already doing these things. We're already in our own box. It's, it's not putting you there. It's just showing you where you are so you can get out, so you can do something about it. I love that. That is sort of just giving you perspective. And that's something that's such a valuable tool. Sometimes we really do get stuck in sort of, I can't shift. This is who I am. Yes, exactly. And in our little green room conversation, we talked a little bit about how, you know, maybe as we're talking about the digital self and and how technology really, you know, we all have a different relationship with technology, how that might be different with each of the different types you, yeah. you know, would you be willing to play a little bit with us on that one and tell us a little bit about how that might play out in the Enneagram? Let's do let's do your type because it's always fun for the <laughs> listeners to, to dive in with the, the host's type. So we'll, let's do your type uh, and we'll do a type five. So they get a comparison. And the way that the type one and the way that the type five relates to technology is really different. Be- because of the inner workings of the type, I think your listeners will get a, a clear understanding of how we have differences of type of personality and how those personalities will interact with technology and relationships. Because one of the biggest factors that we find is that your personality types impacts your relationships that impacts every aspect of your life. There's, there's something about how we are interpersonally getting triggered and relating to people and tweaking them that can either create love and connection and beauty and the business world. You can build trust. You can create connections, you can really form a relationship that is solid, or they can get blown up. And and that's a big part of your success. I mean, most of the coaching that I'm doing with executives and entrepreneurs, it's how to do relationship better, how, how to lead better, how to hold your seat when things get hot, how to you know reform connection after relationships break down. And that's it's intricately woven in with our personality type and our emotional triggers. So are you up for that? So we can dive into type one. Are you good? Oh, sure. Peel off the band-aid. Let's go. All right. All right. Sweet. So type one on the Enneagram, we call them perfectionist. And the perfectionist, there's a core belief at the base of each of these types. And the core belief is absolutely false, but our type believes it as if it's the, the god-awful truth. And it's down there at the bottom and it's kicking stuff into action. And for the type ones, you're starting to get hot. I like that. This is a good sign. <laughs> For the type ones, the, the, the core belief down there is I've got to create perfection in the world and in me. Otherwise, I'm going to die. So you can imagine if that's woven into your nervous system, I have to create perfection in the world and in me or I'm going to die, that there's a lot of attention towards what's imperfect, what's out of place, what's wrong, where, where's the mistake, because I want to fix it. I want to make it perfect. The ones tend to have very high standards for their own behavior, for other people's behavior, for ha- what's happening. There's just like this a diligence inside the ones that I appreciate, but often the ones go, I, I just go too far. Like my perfectionism goes too far. My need to get it perfect goes too far. And my attention towards what's missing and what's imperfect costs me a lot in my relationships. It costs me a lot in my work. So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share a little 
about how that was showing up for you, particularly kind of before you did any transformation? How did the type one stuff show up for you in your relationships or in your business so we get a feel for it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as I was saying to you before, I would never have done a podcast before, for one thing. I mean, it's just so like putting myself out there and you have less control about how it's received. You have less control about sort of the final product, especially trusting somebody else to do the, you know, production and the edits. It's like you're doing this free flow conversation, you know, no, I mean, you can certainly, of course, not post something, but it's really that piece of putting yourself out there. The, The other piece I really noticed, actually, I noticed after doing the Enneagram work, I really realized why it took me so long to publish my book, for example. You know, it was two years after I finished my PhD, after my dissertation was done, Then I published my dissertation because it was never good enough. Now, I didn't actually, after doing the Enneagram work, instead of beating myself up for not being perfect, 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 I just published it. Got it out there. It was just like, you know what? If I wait any longer, it's not going to be relevant. And it's more important for it to be relevant than for there to be a miscrossed T. Right. So it was sort of finding that balance. Yeah. So just framing this up for people, uh, the type one, it's, it's, this is really common that we find that the type ones are really hesitant to do things like Facebook live or podcasts where they don't get to control everything very, you know, narrow control focus. Um, and in the digital world that we live in now, things get messy. You know, it's just like, sometimes we got to crank it out and get it out. Particularly if you're doing a lot of these and you really want a lot of information, you want to touch a lot of people, it ain't going to be perfect. It's <laughs> there's going to be cracks and broken links and missteps and you're not going to say the right thing and you can't go back and edit it because it's a conversation like this on the fly. You know, it's emergent experience and that can be hard for the type ones to interact with that. And they, they can get hesitant to kind of engage in that way. So, and with the putting your dissertation out, getting your book out into the world, we also have a lot of ones that say, I I work on things, I work on things, I work on things. They're never good enough to release to the public. It it took me three years to do my website. It it took me eight, you know, it's just like ongoing litany. Then the difference between good enough and perfect is wasted time, wasted effort, often thousands and thousands of dollars that, that are lost and things don't get out into the world because they're not perfect. Yeah. And I would say the other piece was like you were talking about, you know, you have your own rule book of what the expectations are. So right. I found that after doing the Enneagram work, I was much better at working with my virtual assistant after doing the Enneagram work because right. I was much clearer on what my expectations were mm. and I was a little more forgiving about the output. I I was, you know, I was putting those same standards on them that I was putting on myself, which were pretty much unrealistic. Yeah. Um, It was never going to be perfect enough and it really needed to be just good enough to get it out there. I mean, I still want good quality, Yeah. but I also, you know, have more of an emphasis on just get it done. Like don't spend all your time retweaking this. In fact, Telling them to don't let me take it away. Don't let me edit something that's finished. Right. Because if it's done and it's functioning, I should not be touching it. What you're describing is the evolution of the type one moving from perfectionism and I've got to do it right and kind of micromanaging the people around them 
to a little bit looser, a little bit more easeful, a little bit more forgiving so that things can actually get out into the world and the people who you're interacting with don't feel quite so judged and micromanaged because if that keeps on going, there's a, a social cost. The relationship suffers. Um, so congratulations on, on your, your growth and on your kind of breaking out of some of that one stuff. Well, thank you. It was with your help. So, uh, all right. So, so let's contrast the one and the five here. Okay. So we'll get into the type five and you heard the type one's core belief. Perfection is possible. I have to create perfection in, in order to live. So for the type five, the belief is I have a limited amount of time, of energy, of resource. There's a limited amount of me and people suck my time and energy. And if I give too much away, I'm going to die. So that's their false core belief woven into their nervous system. It's a life or death proposition. So you can imagine if you have a limited amount of resource, you really want to pull back. You really want to keep people at bay. You have to protect. There's a limited amount. So you kind of get a, avarice is the passion that we call for the, for the five. And it's like, there's not enough. I've got to hold on to what I've got. Kind of stingy with my emotional expression and with my time and with giving things. So the way that that starts to interact with technology is the fives more and more find, hey, I don't have to interact with people. I can go on to the internet to get all the information I need. I don't even have to go and have lunch with people. I can just, you know, Zoom them or text them or have a phone call with them. So with the fives, the way that they're using technology is to distance themselves from the people in their lives. And they lose some of that relational energy and some of the heart and some of the connection. It becomes very much from the head up. So there's, there's three, on the Enneagram, there's three personality types that are head types, five, six, and seven. And they experience underlying fear and anxiety. So the fives have an underlying fear and anxiety. And so they're, they're kind of protecting themselves by pulling back from the world. There's three types that are body-based types, the eight, nine, and the one. So we were describing your type one earlier. That's a body-based type. They kind of feel and sense into the world through the body underlying resistance and anger for eight, nine, and one. And then there's three types that are heart-based types that access the world through feelings and emotion. And they're very kind of attuned to how are we doing here? Are we simpatico? Is, is, is there a, a love vibe in the room? Like what, what's going on here emotionally? Those are twos, threes, and fours. Enneagram types two, threes, and fours. And uh, for those of you who want to Discover your type. We'll talk later. We have an online test, a free online test that you can use to figure out which one of these nine you are. And you're going to put that test under like a link underneath this or something on the page. Yeah, these are, this will be in the show notes. So don't worry about writing it down, folks. So you'll, you'll find it in the show notes, both on iTunes and on the, uh, the regular show page on twobalanceyou.com. So you'll be able to find links to Ben's work, but it's a really okay. cool assessment to find out which one you're at. This episode is brought to you by Oscar Wellness. When pain stops, life begins. Oscar Pulse mimics the body's own recovery processes to relieve pain, muscle stiffness, and inflammation using optimized pulsed electromagnetic field technology, PEMF, to encourage recovery at a cellular level so you can get back to life. And I gotta tell you, this thing works so well, my husband and I are fighting over it. 
So I highly recommend you take a moment and try it out. They have all kinds of options for checking it out, and they've even given us an opportunity to share a discount with you, $55, by using the 2BU code on the OSCO Wellness site. You can check out the show notes to get more details. Okay, so type five. So they pull back from the world. They're trying to conserve energy and resource. They're a head type. So there's a lot of cognition and thinking and how does it all work? And basically technology gets used to put distance between me and other people. And it, it even more allows the five to only focus on the content and the information rather than that relational field. And how are we together? And are we getting along? And what when I'm coaching executives or leaders who are type fives, I'm bringing their awareness away from the content and towards when you ask that person to do X, Y, or Z for you, how did they feel about it? Did they want to? Because that's a blank space for them. It's like a blind spot. They, until you start bringing the awareness to that, they're emotionally illiterate. Not all of them, but most of them have a lot of trouble making reads on social cues. And, you know, after a while they go, oh, I asked that person to do that and they hated that idea. They didn't want to do that thing at all. But I didn't know that before. So, you know, like leaders are assigning people tasks and the, the people are fighting with each other or don't want to do it or whatever. And it's just they, they can't see it until they start to bring their awareness to that. And then it opens up this whole world of possibility, which is the world of relationship. And, and people the, the fives start to adjust and start to attune to people more refined. They can start to do that even through technology. Like we found that, that through video conferencing, as we start to bring their awareness to certain things that they, Oh, that's what's happening. And so they get way different results when they're actually connected to that person didn't like this, this one they did like, you know, they, like there's a whole relational field that is crucial for leadership. I mean, it's the difference between a mediocre leader and an excellent leader is how do they handle relationships and how do they handle people and can they inspire and can they stand in their ground and really own their beliefs in such a way that it forces and focuses action. So that I hope that that gives you all who are listening some idea of the dramatic difference of personality types. That you have one type that's talking in the head that our type five is really concerned with concepts and what's going on. And the, that we have over here, a type one that's really concerned with standards and am I getting it right and what's perfect and what's missing. And the ones on the inside, they're often beating themselves up. We didn't really get into this with you, Heidi, but for the ones often on the inside, they're going, Oh, you didn't do that right. Jeez, you're stupid. You should, you know, it's like a risk to put something out into the world because they've been beating themselves up so much. And they know that that beating up is just going to get magnified and everybody else is going to see all the horrible stuff that they know about themselves. So it, it, that can be edgy, you know, for the ones where the fives, the inner dialogue isn't around, I did it right or I did it wrong. The inner dialogue is around, Oh God, I hope they don't get too close to me. <laughs> I hope they don't like come in and, and take too much away. So for the, for the growth, for the evolution, for the five, it's about coming out into the world. It's about opening their expression. It's about using technology to reveal themselves more rather than shutting themselves back. For, for the fives, they really have to practice being open and transparent and connected to the people around them. Otherwise, they start getting like a hermit kind of 
you know, off on the mountaintop. I would imagine for the fives to have, you know, more access to video tools where if they're, you know, managing remote teams, it's so critical to be able to get that visual feedback, the people they're working with, whereas the ones they're, you know, they're just afraid of whatever they put out there going viral and being wrong. You know, right. it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. You get people's responses, but your response is even more extreme than anybody else's response because they're going to spread it because they love it. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's just fascinating to see the, you know, the wide difference in or a diversity of thought and response to the same things just happening. Yeah. It can be dramatic. Yeah. And, and really, it gets exact. I believe that technology exaggerates our personality so that the, you know, the fives, it, it gets even bigger. The, the distancing gets even bigger. And with the ones, the, the fear of the judgment and the projected judgment gets magnified with technology because instead of one to one, now we can go one to a hundred or one to a thousand. You know, it, it really cranks up the, the fears and it can bring out. As we do our inner work, if we do transform, if we do shift, it can bring all that beauty out. It can bring the, you know, the, the one's diligence and the thoughts and the excellence that the ones are searching for. It can bring that out into the world. You know, all the beautiful thoughts and machinations. And I mean, the fives, my God, they build these co conceptual frameworks that are just magnificent and it can bring all that, all their knowledge can come out into the world through technology as they grow and transform our personal level, that comes out. So to me, it's, technology is kind of a magnifier for our, our life and our, and our world. And it just makes me even more like, we got to do our work. We got to do our inner work. We got to do our transformational work. We got to do like whatever that thing is so that you can bring your expression out into the world in a bigger way and be received get to work because this is, this is important that we're all doing, bringing our gifts and our expression out in a way that feels authentic. I love so. it. I'm curious. I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur and doing a lot of work, you deliver some of your courses online and also face to face. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, an active entrepreneur now, we have gone, I think we're actually of the same generation, you know, good old Xers going through. What do you feel one from the sort of the Enneagram perspective, because I believe I remember it correctly, you're a seven. Sort of, have you noticed any differences in the way that you relate to technology as a tool for delivery through your transformation from a seven to an evolved seven? Yeah. Oof, that's a good question. Uh, all right, so let's give people a little framework on the seven. So, core belief at the bottom of my personality type, the type seven is if I'm forced to experience pain and suffering, if I'm trapped in pain or suffering, I'm going to die. So that's the one that's networked into my nervous system. And you can imagine if that's the, the core belief that you will do anything to avoid pain or suffering. So that means you move towards lightness, you move towards joy, you move towards keeping your options open because if I keep my options open, I don't have to focus on any one thing that I'm losing and then I don't have to experience loss. So you have a lot of sevens that have trouble with commitment, follow through, diligent. And the, the evolution of the type is to kind of move out of those constraints so that you can be with pain and suffering so that you can actually follow through and make a commitment. I, get, I can't tell you 
how many women have come to me and said, Ben, I've got a type seven, you know, boyfriend who may be a husband. What do I do about that? Cause I can feel he's on, he's about to cut and run. Like, what's the deal here, Ben? Help to, you know, help me help him. So, so the, the evolution of the seven is we learn how to commit. We learn how to go through hard times. Um, you know, somebody around us gets sick or they're in suffering. This type seven doesn't bolt. They actually stay there. A business goes through hard times where you really got to hunker down and, and get stuff done. And the sevens, instead of running, they'll hunker down and actually do the hard work to make things happen. So in terms of my own evolution, it used to be that I wouldn't do anything that required uh, months of constant um, work and process. I was like, if it takes more than two weeks, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to like stay with it. You know, doing my taxes was hard. I remember when I first opened my business, this is like 20 years ago. I didn't do my taxes for 10 years. I mean, it was like that, you know, people, the government had to come. <laughs> you need to do your taxes. You owe us a bunch of money. It was like that. And that's common for type sevens. You hear a lot of type sevens who haven't done their taxes, who don't balance the checkbook, who don't want to, you know, they don't want to deal with that stuff. My personal evolution was, yeah, learning how to commit and follow through. So that was a big deal. I got married. That was a big deal. I had a child. I have an eight-year-old daughter. That was a big deal. And the business, I'm doing my taxes. Yay. Every year, uh, balancing the books, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and really the diligence to create something online. So the technology now, we've been working on our current launch for about a year and we'll release in two weeks. And so we have programs that, yeah, I mean, this is a big deal. Uh, we've got programs on how to coach people using the Enneagram for coaches and therapists. We have a program for how to do your own transformational work online for like transform your type for relationships. So it's an online seven module program. Those are in the can. We've got a funnel where we're doing a lot of teaching and free videos that come out to get people engaged and inspired before we make an offer. That is the big juggernaut that has taken a year. And so, you know, I had to bear down. I had to, I'm talking with my staff and we're like, we're about to have a baby. It's been a year of incubation and we're at that place where like, okay, the baby's starting to come out here. Keep pushing. We can do it. It is not easy. And I have sevens on my staff too. I mean, you know, one of the people on my staff is a type seven. So we got a couple of sevens that are like, all right, let's stay focused. Let's get the end, you know, like completion. It's a big deal. Um, so that to be overly revealed, um, is, is my journey of, of transformation. And it is common for sevens in contexts like, um, we, we live near Silicon Valley. So in that context, I had a lot of type sevens who would be with a startup organization. They would do a, an incredible amount of structural planning for these complex websites and delivery vehicles and super smart type sevens, but they wouldn't stay around for the actual programming, the nitty gritty. And so their stocks wouldn't vest. So they'd be moving on to the next cool project, the next fun thing and not ever getting the payoff and leave a trail of millionaires behind them who would actually do the nitty gritty programming for all of this amazing conceptual work that they came up with. And, and that's painful to, to see that happen, you know, from my fellow sevens. I'm sorry, fellow sevens. Uh, but that's painful to see them do that in, 
business and in relationships to not be able to get through the hard times to get that deeper love and connection and intimacy on the other side of the hard times. You know, there's something about humans that once we go through something together, like then we're more in and we're more solid. And if, if you can't get through the hard times, you miss out on all that. So that, 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 those are the big changes that, that I've seen in my own life. And that I see a lot of other sevens go through as we take them through the, the journey. And one of my favorite things to ask, actually, because you're in a similar community that I am where we do a lot of travel, whether it's speaking about our work or going to conferences to learn more and just share our stuff. What type of tools do you feel are critical for you to be able to keep that balance and to keep that connection? You know, you, you mentioned you have a daughter and there's always that challenge of, you know, keeping the family connected keeping connected to your team and all mm. of that, and really just keeping things flowing so that your life and your work are not disrupted. Yeah. So what are your sort of tips for, for doing that, with tech, at least from a technology perspective? Technology, you know, it's an interesting one because I have a like love-hate relationship with technology, really. I mean, when, when my clients... I resisted getting a cell phone for four years. I, I was a Luddite and I resisted internet marketing for five years. I was really like, I, I, I hesitate to, to move towards technology. The things that I really started to embrace and enjoy were when technology got to such a, to a point where video became more crisp, more alive, more focused, and we could actually deepen relationship through video. You know, that I go out there and when I'm out on the road, I, I shoot a video for my daughter. It's a little one minute video. And I talk, you know, my friends and she gets to see my friends and I get to say hi to her. And then, boom, I can send it right back to her. And almost every trip I'm doing a couple of those, you know. So, and when video creates opportunity for us to fo form more connection, I, I love it. When it creates a, a situation where... We get pinged every 10 minutes from a phone and our attention, we call it frayed attention. When we're, our attention gets frayed because our phone is getting more of our attention than the person right in front of us, that's when we get into trouble. That frayed attention is costing us in terms of intimate connection or strong relationship. Uh, in the, I think in the business and at home can really do a number to where we place our awareness and our attention. I wonder if, you know, when you talk about frayed attention and sort of the, you know, the interest in being so focused on the screen rather than the people in front of you, something yeah. when you're talking about like a personality type five that's unevolved, they probably really want to be able to escape into that screen. They're the ones that are sitting at the bar after the meeting with their nose in the, in their device rather than having a conversation with the other people around and finding out what's going on. Whereas, the one probably is, you know, doing something different. Right. Um, you know, they're more, you know, I want to make sure I get everybody's phone number and make sure that I connect here, <laughs> you know, whatever it is that is the goal to accomplish during that particular period of time. It, it's interesting how that might play out. I yeah. And I, I really believe, I heard an interesting term a little while ago, complexity that leads to simplicity. Mm. To me, our technology can lead to layers and layers of complexity. And if it's just creating more complexity and we have to focus on more things and our attention is getting more frayed, it doesn't work for me. I don't think it actually helps society. 
But when it actually leads to more simplicity, when we can put some technology in place that allows me to focus on the thing that I'm doing well in the world, or it allows me to really give my full attention to the person who's right in front of me, um, or in this situation, you know, it allows me to see you better and allows us to communicate in a, in a clearer way where we're, our attention is not frayed, then I'm all in favor. And I'm like, yeah, let's just use that thing and, and go, you know, go play a big game because we can use technology to magnify our impact and our influence. But that's really the, the, the litmus test for me now. Is, is this going to create more complexity in my life? Is this going to frame my attention more? Or is this technology going to allow me to bring more focus, allow me to work in my genius zone, the thing that I do the best? Is it going to create simplicity for me? I love what you're saying because uh, so this that's, is that's really what I test. work with is helping people get to that seam re- seamless relationship with technology by really, you know, refining mm-hmm. their tech ecosystem so that it, you know, everything works together smoothly and you don't even really think about it. It just makes you a better you and it helps you perform better without thinking about the technology, but it's just working. And it's nice. really that complex simplicity that, that really ultimately is what we all, we are all going for. And the design is getting better and better. It's not quite there yet with everything, but finding those things that work harmoniously together and learning how to develop boundaries with them and and really guidelines for our own usage so that they don't become disruptive of those high-value relationships and high-value actions that really make our business and our lives thrive. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you're doing this work because it is needed. Like, I, I... Technology can be scary. Uh, and the other one that seems kind of mundane to me is just they did a lot of sleep studies and they found if you're on tech, you know, within one or two hours before you go to sleep, you tend not to go to sleep well. Yep. So, you know, two hours before we go to sleep, we want to get off of technology as much as possible. Even things like checking your phone, writing emails, those kinds of things, it, it keeps us from sleeping well. Yeah, particularly the blue screens. I mean, if you have a Kindle that has doesn't have the blue screen, it has less of an impact. But but mm-hmm. definitely there's a lot of things that we need to learn new behaviors and new ways of doing things because it's so easy to just grab at the latest toy and the latest gadget and to be consuming things right up until when we go to sleep, which is slowing down our ability to sleep, to fall asleep and to stay asleep because it's triggering our dopamine, which is messing with our you know, entire system in terms of knowing when to go to sleep and, and maintain that. So yeah, there's just so many other things around, I guess we could, this conversation could go on for hours. I can just tell now, but it's, but I look forward to continuing it with you. And, you know, it's just been such a gift to have you with us today. And I want to make sure that everybody remembers you can check out the show notes and there's links there to find Ben's work. Then can you just give us a little quick summary of sort of how we can find you? Okay. Um, so the, you can go to the website, touchedandtransformed.com, and there's lots of freebies and information there. And we'll put a link in the show notes to go directly to the assessment. And if you go to the Enneagram assessment, you can take that assessment, figure out which of the nine personality types you are. It'll only take five minutes. It's a free assessment. You'll get your results right away. And as you move in there, you'll start getting some of our free videos. And the videos are on Enneagram and Relationships. Um, There's videos on how to coach other people using the Enneagram. So depending on how you want to use it, you can kind of go choose your your own adventure in terms of what videos you want to see. 
Um, we do live events. So we have three day uh, transformational events, or you can come and just look me up. Uh, you can email me ben at touched and transformed.com. If you're looking for a one-on-one coaching. Awesome. Well, I hope all of you will actually take a moment to at least do the assessment because it's really interesting to just learn a little bit more about yourself. And if you find it fascinating, reach out to his team because it's really powerful stuff. I mean, it takes self-awareness to a totally different level. And uh, and it's not something new and, and buzzy that's just happening. This stuff's been around for a long, long time. And you'll, you can learn more about that through their work. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. This has been really a treat to have you on and look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you all for joining us today on the Evolving Digital Self podcast. We look forward to connecting with you again next week and bye-bye for now. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.